Thank you for downloading and welcome to Take Orally, the emergency medicine podcast recorded at Dream Queen's Medical Centre, Nottingham. In this episode, we'll be discussing acute abdomen cases. As ever, all information is correct at the time of recording. Any guidelines mentioned are correct for Nottingham University Hospital's NHS Trust. Other trust guidelines may vary. All views and opinions are the speaker's own. So, welcome back, listener. It's me. I'm uh, still Jamie. Uh, still on the Teacher Fellows in Emergency Medicine, and you can still find me on Twitter at McDreamy. Uh, I'm here with Riyad. Hello, Riyad. Hi, Jamie. You okay? Yes, I'm well, sir. Uh, are you on Twitter at all? Uh, yeah, but I haven't really used it much. I'm probably the only ED doctor on the planet that doesn't use Twitter. <laughs> and you're still one of our registrars, aren't you? Here at uh, the Queen's till, Medical Centre. Till, till, I think February when we change over, I'm going to Derby. Excellent. Hello, Derby. I'm coming to you. Derby's gain will very much be our loss. Um, yeah, I said that the right way, didn't I? Yeah. Yes, excellent. So, um, we in the last podcast we talked about a very general acute abdomen approach. Today, in this episode, we're just going to do some more case presentations, examples, really. Um, just looking at the Archem website, just as a sort of rough idea of numbers here. So, apparently, twenty percent of people coming with an acute abdomen will have uh, to the emergency part have appendicitis. Twenty percent have gallstone disease. Forty percent have non-specific abdo pain, so we will Absolutely. say we don't actually know what's wrong with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which leaves twenty percent for other causes in which you can stick all those uh, life-threatening catastrophes and things. So it is difficult. <laughs> Just to re-emphasise, it is difficult. And that's a very small number considering the number of patients we see with abdominal pains. Absolutely. Which yeah. makes picking up these even more difficult. Mm. And quite frankly. Um, most times we see them in the middle of the night without a collateral history, without uh, notes mm. from their GP. Mm. Some of them come from out of town. Mm. So we have absolutely no idea what mm. their past medical history is like. Mm. But there you go. That's why so, we do this job. Juniors listening, speak to a senior. <laughs> Even if I'm in a foul mood. <laughs> Are you ever in a foul mood, Riyadh? Not really. Not really? No. Maybe when you get a bit, a bit hangry sometimes. Yeah. Right, so, so let's do some cases, Riyadh. That's why we're doctors. We do cases. We see patients. Okay, so these are real-life patients which I've seen, James. Excellent. All anonymised. All the characters are fictional. Go, Riyadh. So, first case. Let's see. I've seen a patient. She's a 25-year-old female who presents with a gradual onset of low abdominal pain right in the upper fossa. And she's had anorexia for the last 12 hours. What's on your mind? What's on my mind? So you say it's vague, so it's lower abdominal. Is it, has it migrated from the umbilicus down? No, sort of. Sort she, of. She's a poor historian and she's had a few drinks. Okay. She's been out of party. And you say anorexia, she's been off her food. Yeah, but Vomiting, she's been... diarrhea. Uh, well, first thoughts, she's a, a lady of reproductive age. So Absolutely, James. Absolutely. She, uh, where is she in a cycle? I'd want to know about any chance she of pregnancy. She, she's not really sure, but um, she's taken the morning after pill a couple of times. Mm. Okay. But she can't remember when. Um, how, are her, how are her observations? She's a bit tacky at about 105. Mm-hmm. She looks a bit pale to me. Okay. Um, blood pressure is about 100 systolic. Okay. Any vomiting, diarrhea? She's had both. Okay, any urinary symptoms? Uh, no, she's had some discharge when you 
come to think of it, uh, two weeks ago. Okay. And when you said lower abdomen, is it on one side or is it all yeah, across? Yeah, it's sort of going to the right iliac fossa now. So right iliac fossa, so you want to think about your gyne and your non-gyne. So your Absolutely, James. Your non-gyne appendicitis is top there. She's a young lady. She's yeah. young. Um, appendicitis attacks the, the two extremes of age. So you're yeah. either young or you're, you're elderly. It's very rare that middle-aged people get it. Uh, and that presents with a uh, GI upset. It presents with anorexia. So I'd be worried about that, but she is a young lady of reproductive age, so I'd also be worried ectopic, need to rule that out, so we also would need a pregnancy test with this lady. Mm -hmm. uh, as she's well also as had a discharge, James. She's also had a discharge, so pelvic inflammatory disease could be one thing. Um, that would be... Specifically, uh, probably a tubal ovarian abscess as well. Could be that as well, as yeah. Well, that's on your mind. She's... Uh, uh, Depends what this discharge is. Is it a bloody discharge? Is it a more smelly discharge? Well, absolutely, James. So that's what I was getting to. It isn't smelly. It's actually a bit blood-stained discharge. Okay. And it's it's not a period time. Okay. But remember, the, you know, when when you ask your history about discharge, you need to quantify that, because I didn't ask what type of discharge it was initially when I first saw this patient. Okay. So, so yeah, we've gone through the differential, so surgical and gynecological causes. Um, and she, on further, when I examined her, she did have rebound in the RIF. Mm. Mm. And her pregnancy test, urine-wise, was... I know you're waiting for this. It was inconclusive, James. Inconclusive. How was it inconclusive? That battery of pregnancy kit was naff. <laughs> they did three, and they couldn't really... It was a very, you know, the lines weren't really clear whether it was or wasn't. Hmm. So, unfortunately, we had to pay a lot of money and do a serum one. Uh, which was? Positive. Oh, dear. Okay, how positive? I don't know. In okay. the thousands. In the thousands. So you have a young lady who is pregnant. Last menstrual period was? Well, she, she couldn't remember. She couldn't remember. Yeah. So we're not sure yeah, exactly. how far in with lower abdominal pain with discharge. With a bloody discharge. With a bloody vaginal discharge. So, gynae referral. Absolutely, James. And what was the conclusion? She had an ectopic. It was an ectopic, was it? Yeah. So this is something I've mentioned in the ectopic podcast as well. And you have this whole spectrum of ectopics. So I've seen a lady who, screaming in agony with a systolic blood pressure of 60, her skin was the same color as my scrubs, which we wear gray scrubs, so that's not good. Um, all the way up to a, lady, a young lady who just had a bit of loin pain, who was sat up completely fine, looked well, everything was fine, other than the fact she was pregnant. So she was referred, and she was an ectopic pregnancy as well. Bizarre. Yeah, and uh, not to, uh, don't forget the uh, gastrointestinal symptoms. Mm. You could get uh, small bowel, bowel irritation, giving diarrhea mm. as a sign of an ectopic pregnancy. Mm. Don't just think it's uh, gastrointestinal, it's going to be appendicitis. Okay. Next case, Riyadh? Yeah, second one is 45-year-old male who had a short history of epigastric discomfort. <coughs> And um, some right upper quadrant pains, nausea, and was vomiting. Mm. Anything like this before? 
He's had a couple of episodes, yeah. And when you say discomfort, what sort of pain are we talking about? It's just there, but it was, you know, it comes and goes, it waxes and wanes, particularly mm. after he eats his fish and chips on a Friday. Mm. Okay. Does it move anywhere? No, it so, so, sort of goes to his back sometimes, mm. but it's just there. Okay. Just get rid of the bloody pain, doctor. Is that what he's like? Okay. Yeah. And uh, what is this chap's body habitus like? Is he it's large. Is he a large chap? Is he a drinker? Yes. Is he a drinker as well? So he's a, he, he likes a drink and he likes fatty foods yeah. and he's a bit big and he's got right upper quadrant pain that goes to the back a little and it comes and goes. Sounds all very billary, doesn't it? Very billary, yeah, indeed. Mm. Any so signs of gourd, any burning pain going up? Or? Yeah, but he does that, get that as well. Yeah. But you'd, have you not re- um, sort of experienced that? And most patients with billary colic also have concomitant peptic ulcer disease. There's usually something going on because if you've, mm. if you've, if you've, if you had the lifestyle which leads you towards developing gallstones, you've, yeah. it's the same lifestyle that leads you to developing a, a, an ulcer. Sadly, yeah. unfortunately, uh, I would have, I would want to do an ECG on this gentleman because he is at a high risk uh, age group for and gender for cardiovascular disease and mm-hmm. beware the MI that presents with epigastric pain. But I'm assuming his ECG was normal. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Obs-wise, he was okay? Uh, he was a bit tachycardic. Okay. But blood pressure was fine. Sure thing. He was afebrile. Okay. And, uh, so I'm thinking biliary because yeah. your gallbladder contracts if you have a fatty meal. And so if you have gallstones, it's likely to be then. It's a hollow viscous. It has colicky pain. So it comes and goes. And if the pancreas is involved, if you have pancreatitis, you can get retroperitoneal pain. It radiates to the back. So Absolutely. I'm thinking that with him, yeah. and I, yeah. I would want to know what his LFTs and his lipase were doing. Absolutely, and what his bilirubin as well. Well, that comes as your LFTs. Yeah. Okay, okay, wise boy. <laughs> but uh, one other thing I would like to do is when you examine his tummy, I want to feel, you know, try to elicit Murphy's sign. Ah. And... It was positive. It was positive. Yes. So the, the gallstone disease is a spectrum. Yeah, you yeah. have the abri- beginning yeah, yeah, yeah. biliary colic, going up to cholecystitis, going up to ascending cholangitis. I wasn't listening to him then. I was just looking at... Um, uh, at um, Take orally Ted. Yeah. Our producer. Um, so yeah, so with the gallstone, you're not going to get Murphy's. Uh, with biliary colic, you're not going to get Murphy's sign. No. With cholecystitis, you will have Murphy's sign. Yeah. So this gentleman had Murph- was Murphy- Murphy's positive. Absolutely. So he's got... And one thing he didn't mention, which I had to elicit, was he did have rigors. He had rigors as well. Even though he didn't have a temperature with us, because he had some paracetamols. Well, he had a temperature. No, he had rigors before. He yeah, didn't but have a everybody has a temperature. Okay. <laughs> he didn't have a fever. <laughs> Bloody hellfire. Uh, so... So he's got uh, infection and inflammation going on in his gallbladder. So he's going to need he's going to need antibiotics, isn't he? Yeah. Okay. Excellent. And, prob- and probably uh, ultrasound. Mm. Admission under surgeons. Absolutely. Next one. A uh, sixty-five-year-old uh, lady, uh, quite pleasant lady. She had uh, lower abdominal pain, left tibia fossa pain, and was just ge- uh, gradually getting worse now, and it's been. She's had some loose motions, but previously she's been having some problems with constipation over the last six months or so. Hmm. 
Oh, and she did have an episode of PR bleeding when she did have. Um, that was my next question. Yeah. Was there any PR bleeding? It was with this fresh not, blood. Not currently, in the past, when in she had past. constipation. And was that fresh blood, was it? Yes. Okay. Was it with the stool, mixed in the stool, on the paper? It was with the stool. Okay. So, left in the Fossa, mm-hmm. the lady with constipation. Yeah. Constipation, you're raising your intraluminal pressure within the bowel. With an older person, yeah. you're straining, you're yeah. risking diverticular osis, so diverticular forming, outpouchings forming. One of those becomes inflamed and infected, you get diverticulitis, you get PR Absolutely. bleeding with it. So I would be thinking about that. Yeah, so diverticular dis- disease would be one of the top differentials, but, but at her age you'd also be thinking about something a bit more sinister. So well. with her age you were also worried about neoplasia. Yeah. Uh, with her age, uh, it could be gynae, it could be, um, you know, it could be gynae spread to the bowel, it could be bowel. Um, we'd also worry, and you know, if she has had a diverticular process going on, she could have formed an abscess as well during that time that, that, that might be being masked as well. So it, it might be something more sinister as well going on. Well, I, I'm glad we sort of talking these things through from the front door. We don't have imaging, we don't have a diagnosis, these are undifferentiated, undifferentiated patients. Mm. So we're the ones who are differentiating. We're the we're yes. the sieve. Absolutely. Should we move on? We should move on. So we've got a, a seventy-five-year-old lady. Mm. So she was a chemist mm. in the past. She's presented with a long history of arthritis. Now, she's had lots of different painkillers. Is osteoarthritis. They've even tried some steroids and NSAIDs now mm-hmm. to try to help with the pain. And she's just developed sudden onset of epigastric pain. Oh no. Just the, just then? Yeah. Which is what's and She what's took some more painkillers. Uh, she had some um, ibuprofen. Mm. She took some more as well. And that oh. didn't help. In fact, it's made it a bit worse now. How long has she been on the briefing? About six weeks. Was that started by a doctor? By a doctor. Okay. Did that doctor start her on gastric protection as well? No. She's not got a PPI. She's not. Well, I think from what she described, there is a prescription with a PPI on there. Yeah. I would say Lanzoprazole, but I'm not supposed to advertise, should I? Um, and um, but it wasn't a repeat prescription. It was just a two-week dose. So whether she then took her ibuprofen over the counter afterwards, I'm not sure. Hmm. She's a sitting duck for an ulcer, isn't she? Mm-hmm. Mm. But with this history, with acute onset, I think even more sinister. Well, this is it. So I think you've got an elderly lady who's been taking um, an NSAID for a while, steroids as well. Yeah. Something that will be reducing your prostaglandins, reducing your gastric, your body's gastric protection. You've got acid that's working away at your stomach. You're going to be developing an ulcer, and if it's sudden onset, I'm be worried that that ulcer's gone pop. Yep. And, and she's got a perforated peptic ulcer. That would be what I would be worried about. And guess what was on the erect um, Did she have free air under her diaphragm? No, Jamie, she didn't. Was she one of the 20% that doesn't? Absolutely, Jamie. Okay, so there's a learning point for us all. But you had a strong suspicion for perforation, so did she go for scan? She did, and she had a, a perf... She went to theatre. Biochemically, was there anything with lactate, white cells? No, lactate was normal. Mm. But... How long does lactate take to rise? We saw her within three hours of it happening. Yeah. 
That's probably why she didn't have free and it needed diaphragm. It wasn't actually that much that had happened. Yeah. If, if she if she'd done what some patients do and gone home and thought I'll oh, wake up and Absolutely. wake up the next day sick as a dog with Yeah, but she woke up with this pain. The pain woke her up. Yeah. That's another sinister mm-hmm. sign, isn't it? If that's what a lot of patients say that I woke up and I've I, I felt the pain. Mm-hmm. And you have to clarify with, with, did the pain wake you up or did you wake up and mm-hmm. feel the pain? Very important. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is fun, I'm enjoying this. Are you? Mm. I've got a okay. Ah, that's an interesting one. So, 50-year-old man, you presented with um, some colicky abdominal pain, vomiting, distension. Pain's worse on coughing. Mm. Had a previous um, appendicectomy. Mm. So, three years ago. Vomiting, bowels not open? Are the bowels working? Mm. No, he... His bars not don't normally work anyway that well, but um, he's, he's not opened up his bars for the last three days. Okay, and his tummy is distended. If you yeah, cuss it, is it tympanic? Yes, it is. Are bowel sounds? They are present. Are they quiet? No. Are they tinkling? I don't like that term tinkling. There's quite a lot of it. So I didn't tell you one thing. Okay. When he coughs and it hurts. Yeah. There's something bulging there as well. Oh, where is it bulging? Mm. The appendicectomy. So he's got an incisional hernia. Mm. Is there a cough impulse there so you can push it back in? Is it reducible? It's not reducible, no. It's not reducible. It's quite tender there. So before all of that, you, you told it sounded like a, a bowel obstruction. So yeah. bowel's not open, vomiting, distended abdomen, colicky abdominal pain, quiet bowel sounds, whatever. Um, risk factors for that he does have he's had previous surgery so adhesions are a risk factor um, um, for that um, but hernia is another one um, if he was older neoplasia as well but but hernia is another one well probably so what so he's got uh, so he's got an obstruction of some description. he's got an obstruction of some description plus an irreducible hernia hernial site hmm. so I don't care if it's sort of reducible or not. If you've got a ten tender hernial sac, that's that's um, insufficiency of a blood supply, so it's strangulated until proven otherwise. Just because you've reduced the hernia doesn't mean to say you've stopped the strangulation. There's a term called reduction in masse, where you could actually reduce a strangulated hernia through what you think is the hernial neck but actually what you've done is you've just pushed a strangulated bit back in and it's still strangulated at the neck and you could uh, there's a very nice picture of that for those who are interested in uh, the brows which is a surgical signs and symptoms textbook which I used many many years ago and I still think it's a wonderful book brows surgical signs and symptoms I don't own the book either guys but I think it's a very good book Brow's Introduction to the Signs and Symptoms of Surgical Disease, 4th edition. Right. Oh, is that? Next case. Next, ca- next case. Uh, altered bowel habits in a 63-year-old man with absolute constipation, uh, distension, and colicky pain. How long has he had the problem? Well, it's come on really bad in the last week. You said he's been having altered bowel habit. How long but, has he had but, 
but it's been six months. Six months, becoming more constipated? Yeah. Okay. And now he's dribbling some stool. Mm. Well, watery stuff. Mm. And before all of this was well? Well, he's had some PR bleeding, which he didn't want to tell anybody about because he's a very private guy. Mm. Any diarrhea? His wife didn't even know. Any diarrhea before the constipation? Well, fl- yeah, so brownie, this mm. uh, thing which he thought was diarrhea. Okay. And now he's come in with distension. Is mm-hmm. it tympanic distension? Mm-hmm. And he's vomiting. Mouth mm-hmm. open. It's quite smelly <coughs> as well, I'd vomit. Is it? In what way? It smells like if he's pooing. Oh dear. So, again, this sounds like a bowel obstruction. I think given his history, rather insidious onset of bowel habit, I would be very worried about malignancy in this gentleman. Absolutely. Uh, and if he's vomiting up feces, which is one thing I've, on- I've only ever seen it once, and I've probably never felt more sorry for another human being. Yes. Um, fecal vomiting, it is that bad. Feculent, yes. That it is coming back up. Um, yeah, th- th- this gentleman needs to be seen urgently by a surgeon. Absolutely. For urgent intervention intervention might not be curative but at least to give him some comfort yeah palliation mm. absolutely and is um, that what happened that is what happened he had a stoma Hartman's procedure I think he had a rectal stump tumor right so next patient 80 year old lady and she had um, some vague generalized abdominal pain uh, but she's quite em- emaciated. Mm. And um, the only thing of history is that she's got AF and is on warfarin, but she's not taken a warfarin for a few days. Okay. Is this abdominal pain everywhere in the tummy? Yeah. Generalised. Mm. Is there guarding? Not really, but she's tender. Mm. She, she, she's a little old thing. I mean, there's no muscle in her belly to mm. guard. Okay. What sort of pain is it? Oh, it's quite... Uh, so she describes it as a gnawing pain. A gnawing pain, like toothache. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, she has AF. Yeah. So she's pro-thrombotic, or mm. thrombotic risk, mm-hmm. but she's not taking a warfarin. Mm. So she's a sitting duck for ischemic bowel. So I'd be worried. What was what was her lactate? Sorry, I'm shaking my head. I forgot nose on. You're nodding your head. You're not shaking your head. Yeah. <laughs> what was her lactate on the gas? Seven. Yeah. It's ischemic bowel until proven otherwise. Mm. So I would discuss with surgeons. You yeah. get a CT abdomen with an arterial phase, have a discussion with the radiologists. Yeah. Uh, because if they don't look for ischemic bowel, they won't necessarily find it. Uh, and yeah, I'd speak to the surgeons. Do they want to see it without the scan first, or do they want the scan first and then sit, you know, and, and get it arranged? She had a scan. And? She had quite a. Cut- catastrophic um, embolus sitting mm. at the junction of DSME. Mm. So they palliated her. Mm. So this is the thing with, I mean, acute, it is, I mean, and in A&E, it would be so difficult and it's the importance of the A2E approach, isn't it? Because uh, I had a, a lady who came in short of breath with known COPD and she'd been worked up by the ambulance crew as somebody with an exacerbation of COPD actually her chest didn't sound too bad and when you actually spoke to her she was short of breath because she had pain in her tummy that had come Mm. on suddenly Mm. and since actually suddenly it's now completely changed 
and that high lactate that I thought was due to all the salbutamol she'd been mm. given was actually into the tummy, and, and this was an ischemic bowel case as well. So it, it shows the importance but, but, of the And that was masked, and how mm. are we to know that? Mm. So it shows that importance of the A2E approach and, and to, to keep an open mind. Riyadh is already getting his lunch out because he's hungry. <laughs> he's getting some custard creams out. I might have an acute abdomen in a moment. <laughs> is there one more case? There is one more indeed. Let's go. He's okay. a 75 year old man who okay. was actually presented with um, some severe back pain and uh, abdominal pain and was was quite cold, clammy, sweaty, and uh, had some bruising in his flanks. Yeah, just, you just open your biscuits while we're podcasting, Riyad. I would. Custard cream? Yeah, I'm quite alright. So, you've got uh, an elderly gentleman with back pain and collapse. So, did the pain come on and then he's collapsed? Yeah. Triple A until proven otherwise. This guy had a dissection. So, it but was a thoracic aortic dissection? that was yes. presenting with back pain. Yes, absolutely. Basically, yes. this gentleman needs a, he needs a CTA autogram to absolutely. see his... Well, see, this is it. So even if you think it's an abdominal aorta, the radiologist will do the whole aorta. Absolutely. So they will also visualize the, the thoracic aorta. So it's it's, a, it's still the same request. You know, see if you think it's the thoracic, so they'll still look at the abdomen. And guess what? Um, even though he complained of back pain because he was in so much pain he couldn't give me this history mm. so the other thing was that he actually woke up mm. with chest pain that radiated to the back and then went to the tummy when he woke his wife up he was holding his belly mm. so his wife is the one who gave me the history first mm. time around and she said it was belly pain mm. so you originally thought ab abdominal aorta absolutely okay so, I mean, this is something we teach our students here at Dream. I mean, it, it's it's a triad. I'm not sure what I want a triad named after me, but um, an older person with back pain and collapse, something's gone wrong with the aorta until you prove otherwise, really. Riyadh's nodding with a mouthful of custard cream. Did you know triad? If you take the T off, it spells Riyadh. Thank you for that, Riyadh. You need, like, a, a Riyadh triad, don't you? Named after you. Need to find him something. I hope that was okay. <laughs> if you want so, to give us feedback, please do. <laughs> so, some interesting cases there, Riyadh. Thank you very much. Um, you're onto your last custard cream now. So, thank you so much for coming. Any more pearls of wisdom before you go? Um, get a good history. Get a collateral history. Be nice. Be merciful to your patients give them pain relief and um, get the surgeons to see the patient as soon as you've thought of it mm. and if you thought of doing a scan you probably need to scan and give your radiology colleague some custard cream <laughs> thanks thanks Riyadh, bye 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 <laughs> That was the Take Orally Acute Abdomen Cases podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter where we'll put up links to any guidelines mentioned and you can contact us to suggest topics you'd like to see covered in future episodes. For more information on education and research opportunities within emergency medicine, acute medicine and major trauma, you can find Anyway to Dream on both Facebook and Twitter.